Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Smart Cities Chronicles podcast. My name is Adam Beck, your host from the Smart Cities Council, uh, and welcome to episode number 10. Uh, and today we uh, are going to have the opportunity to talk with Martin Darcy from Queanbeyan and Pallarang Regional Council in New South Wales in Australia, uh, and I'll get him to introduce himself uh, in a moment. Um, but just some context for this uh, for this episode, we have been, of course, uh, recording a range of episodes relating to some of those key early enablers around smart cities, such as strategy uh, and standardisation and also uh, collaboration, which are, which are all fundamental in a uh, comprehensive smart cities sort of approach. Uh, but today, in this episode, we're actually going to do uh, a little bit of a deep dive. We're going to talk about uh, projects, and so we're sort of pitching this episode as uh, a, a bit of a, a bit of a conversation around sort of execution and, and, and deployment. And of course, as I mentioned, to, to join me uh, here today, I've got uh, I've got Martin Darcy. Martin, how are you? Uh, good, Adam. Thanks uh, so much for the opportunity to talk smart cities. No, pleasure. Thank you. Um, Martin, for our listeners, let's, uh, let's start with a bit of a bio on who you are and, uh, and what you do, and also um, give us a little bit of a sense for Queen Bee and Palarang and what our listeners are, uh, are sort of contextualising when they, when they listen to us. So over to you. Uh, okay, thanks, Adam. So uh, I've been with Queen Bee and Palarang Council now for three years. Uh, during that time, we've gone through an amalgamation. Uh, of course, so um, we were two separate uh, LGAs and, and now one for the last uh, two and a half years. Um, I'm My title is Manager of Business and Innovation. Previous, I suppose, to the amalgamation and to also smart cities becoming very prominent, uh, I was Manager of Business, um, Economic Development and Business Liaison. So I suppose innovation has crept into my title and into my role, and that's very much built around smart cities. Um, of course, my role encompasses everything from, from tourism, business development, uh, also new development or DA development and uh, being a liaison with developers. Um, innovation, we're, we're looking at you know new innovation precincts within our LGA. Um, hopefully, we'll have some exciting news about that soon. Um, so my role is quite uh, broad and encompassing. Um, as far as Queen Bianne itself, uh, I suppose, which is going to be the point of discussion today, um, it's a city of about 40,000 people sitting right on the New South Wales ACT border, only 10 kilometres from the Canberra CBD and 15 kilometres from the Canberra International Airport. And so as such, it's, it's an unusual place um, because there's no other place like it in Australia because we are so close to a large capital city being Canberra, which has its own government, um, but we're on the New South Wales side, which means we have different laws, uh, et cetera, and that brings with it certain challenges. 60% um, of our workforce who live in our in Queenbeyan and commute over the border to go to work into Canberra each day. So things like that bring certain challenges. Uh, we have a typical high street CBD, which, uh, is very different to the very planned CBD of Canberra. Um, so we are the city that built Canberra. Um, so we have an old style main street or CBD and we are about to undergo a very, very significant urban renewal program. Um, and we saw the smart cities, uh, I suppose, program, you might say, as very opportune uh, to help us 
achieve our objectives with urban renewal and to, in, in many ways, reinvent our CBD. Uh, Martin, thanks for that introduction. Um, whilst we are using words like urban renewal and city, um, there is quite a substantial sort of regional, rural, um, suburban land use arrangement in Queanbey and Pallarain, correct? Yeah, very correct. And particularly in comparison to, like I say, the ACT or Canberra, where you have, you know, a, a city of 400,000. Um, many people think Queen Bianne is a suburb of Canberra, and in, in many instances we are, but we are just on the other side of the border. And, uh, so yes, we, we are very typical uh, local council um, in a regional setting. We are probably a regional hub or a regional centre for government service delivery in southeast New South Wales. We're probably, we are the largest city in southeast New South Wales. Uh, so from that perspective, we have you know, New South Wales government here, we have federal government taking up office space here as well. Um, uh, but we also have, in our local government area, small villages. So we have uh, urban fringe, um, uh, city and rural settings as well, all within our local government area. Martin, does the, does the, the word or the terminology smart city um, at times feel like it's more of an urban agenda as, as opposed to sort of regional and rural areas? Is there a bit of polarisation there among either the community or business or the organisation around that terminology? I think the terminology, yeah, I, I would agree, certainly, Adam. Um, particularly uh, in the initial instance, I think as we gain more confidence and as, as we gain more experience in the smart cities, program and in installing our infrastructure, which I know we're going to get onto, um, then we will certainly then start pushing out into the more rural areas, our, our villages of Bungendore and Braidwood, for instance, um, which are towns of, uh, you know, 3,000 to 1,500 um, in, in that instance. And we will start, start to roll out our learnings uh, from our Queanbeyan experience into our uh, other villages. But I would also go wider to say, Adam, that the smart city concept is very, I think is still very confusing for a lot of people. A lot of people I don't think still understand it. And even within our own organisation, it is probably the biggest barrier for us um, developing our agenda faster and getting more buy-in is that people are still confused by the concept of smart cities. That's um, that, that's interesting. Well, in some ways, it's not interesting. We do we do uh, get that feedback a lot. Um, and before we sort of jump into the CBD project, Martin, just sort of some some context to that, and uh, in extension to the comment you've just made, um, I've I've had a had a read of the uh, digital economy and smart community strategy um, that you've created. Um, so for those that uh, want to throw some words into a a switch browser, you can put in Queen Bee and Pallarang Regional Council, uh, Digital Economy, Smart Community Strategy. Um, it's, a, it's a great read. I, I mean, I always start at, uh, at an organisation's strategy because for me it's, it's their way in which they're expressing what they think this, this Smart Cities uh, agenda or framework or thing is. Um, your strategy is kind of super clear. Um, you know, digital technology, is important. It can influence and shape, you know, employment, interaction, collaboration. So, it's 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 interesting, isn't it, that you make that comment, um, and that others have multiple interpretations. Um, 
and particularly when the strategy is, um, I, I really like it. It's very clear. It's very simple. It's very solid. Uh, it's very diverse as well in terms of what your objectives are. Give, can, you, can you give our listeners a bit of a sense of the journey you went on to create this strategy? You, you do have some highlights in the document about what the community told you. Can you sort of give us uh, a, a bit of a snapshot on that community engagement journey you went on to help create this uh, strategy? And then maybe touch on a few of the priority actions because that'll allow us to lead into the, the CBD conversation. Sure, and um, that's interesting what you say about it being clear and concise uh, with my previous point about um, uh, it being a confusing concept for many people because I think um, it is, it can be very simple, um, but I think people automatically think because it's smart or it's tech um, that it can be confusing and it's not really for them. But as you say, so much of the uh, actions and objectives in our strategy um, are very simple and pretty much affect everybody. So uh, it's an example of how smart cities can um, really be uh, useful or efficient throughout your whole community. So a strategy um, essentially you know, has five objectives and around about 32 sub-objectives, which are just all dot points, uh, very simple, and they have actions within it, obviously. Um, certainly with our community engagement, we held... Uh, we, we had a, a consultant, uh, we know Dallas Delta, Book uh, Dixon leads out, help us to develop this strategy. Um, we had um, uh, workshops in all three, well, in Queanbeyan and our two villages of Bungendorf and Braidwood. Um, and basically a lot of the, uh, the things that people told us were based around online services, improving that, certainly utilising um, how smart cities might be able to be utilised for tourist and visitor services and also around smart and remote working facilities. And that was very prominent and is one of our, probably our main objective uh, when we do start to push out into Bungendorf and Braidwood um, about helping in, improve connectivity out in those regions. Even though they're only 20 minutes and 50 minutes uh, collectively from uh, Canberra CBD, connectivity out in that area can be very, very poor. So uh, we have a large agricultural base out there as well as uh, quite thriving retail. And connectivity has improved a lot recently, but you know, up until a couple of years ago, it was still pretty scratchy in a lot of those areas. And, and it's still very scratchy as you move out of those towns. Uh, and in some cases, there is no connectivity at all for people to do um, anything like access the internet. So it's something we're very keen on progressing. So that was certainly three of the, uh, the very important things that the community told us. Um, uh, yeah, digital connectivity certainly, like I say, was, was right up there as a priority for us. And we're working on that now. We're also part of a thing called the Canberra Region Joint Organisation. And that's a collection of eight councils surrounding Canberra. Um, eight New South Wales councils, and collectively we're working on improving uh, digital connectivity. Uh, we're looking at government support to bring in a trial where we might be able to bring connectivity to very remote areas of our LGAs uh, on a trial basis initially, and then within that 12 months, roll that out uh, holes bowls across all our LGAs. Martin, I had a... Um, uh, uh I suppose a, a colleague peer last week uh, make an interesting comment. Um, 
she said that you know it's it's a fundamental human right that everyone has digital connectivity. Uh, I hadn't really sort of heard <laughs> heard that before. Um, I, I briefly sort of reflected on what a daily uh, sort of a daily uh, life for me would be without digital connectivity. Is 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 she being dramatic there, or what? What, what sort of what sort of level of um, you know fundamental sort of right is, is digital connectivity in your part of the world? Well, I'd, I'd, I'd agree completely. I think we just take it for granted. I yeah. think uh, a lot of people, we're certainly in an urban setting, just completely take it for granted. Um, I have uh, businesses who are on the edge of town who wouldn't, uh, well, let's put it this way, they, they couldn't either get mobile coverage or vice versa, they couldn't use um, e-commerce because the service wasn't good enough. So um, it was very much a cash economy. And there was also some people working. We have a large proportion of people um, working from home, particularly in, in rural setting out here, Be, again, being so close to Canberra. Uh, it is somewhat of a knowledge economy in this area because about the universities, public service, defence. So there are a lot of people who work from home. Um, and a lot of those people as, uh, also run businesses. And they're, they're inhibited in a, in a big way. Um, well, I have one exporter who is a very, very large uh, wine exporter, lives in a rural setting, totally relying on Skymuster. Mm. Um, and if you've heard the rumours about Skymuster before the last satellite was put up, it was diabolical. Mm. So, you know, he was faced with no end of challenges. So, uh, no, it's not an exaggeration. Um, you don't... You, we can go less than 10 kilometres away from our CBD and lose mobile coverage Yeah, uh, here. So it, it is a real challenge um, for the telcos and for, also for us. So in the strategy, Martin, uh, a number of priority actions, um, free public Wi-Fi, we've got smart parking, we've got digital planning, city 3D modelling, a whole range of priority actions. Um, yeah. one, one of them there is is sort of the smart renewal of the Queanbeyan CBD. Um obviously giving you the opportunity to sort of, you know, embed smart um, as you're undergoing that process. Let's, let's sort of pivot to that, that project now. Um, can you sort of set us up, set the scene for this sort of CBD master plan refresh and the urban renewal that's coming and um, that, that early dialogue and strategy around taking the opportunity to sort of weave smart into that whilst you're sort of, you know, undertaking you know a traditional sort of planning planning process. So start 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 giving us sort of the um, you know <laughs> okay. the, 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 the scope and thumbnail sort of sketch of the uh, the CBD project. Yeah. Okay. Look, it um, it's been challenging. I'll say that right up front. Uh, challenging for uh, a couple of reasons, but the, the biggest challenge was that we had a very well developed plan when we applied for under the Smart Community and uh, Suburbs Program for the grant, which we were successful in obtaining. Um, but between winning uh, the grant and, uh, and then executing the contract, you might say that our council had uh, changed to its, uh, the precinct we were going to develop. We were basing the precinct uh, which was going to be the basis of, I suppose, expending the grant around a smart precinct. And that was going to be built around our new corporate headquarters that the council was going to build. Um, because currently, 
we're in 11 different buildings across the CBD, which is oh, wow. totally inefficient. So, mm. yeah, and we're two, two, 200 odd workers in uh, just those buildings across 11 buildings. So, we were going to bring it all together and create a new civic precinct. And for one reason or another, um, and there was a number of reasons, things changed. And so we then had to really adapt um, very, very quickly in order to meet the grant um, requirements, et cetera, to change uh, the scope. Um, so still delivering the same services, but in a geographically wider area than what we anticipated uh, and in different areas, which then brought different challenges which we then have to also solve very quickly. And with those challenges being mainly based around engineering, et cetera. So um, in a nutshell, that's it. And, and you, you're right, it's essentially smart parking, lighting, public Wi-Fi, CCTV, uh, environmental sensors, and 3D uh, planning uh, services. So um, some of those weren't affected, such as the environmental sensors and the 3D uh, planning services, but certainly the other four uh, services had to be adapted uh, into new areas. Uh, and then the procurement also <laughs> um, brought with it its own unique challenges. So I don't know much how more how much you want to go into that, Adam, but it's challenging. Yeah, no, that's a good that's a good start. We'll we'll get into those in a little bit. Just for our listeners who may not be uh, who may not be um, aware or uh, have heard about the grant program that you referenced, Martin. So the, the national government in Australia uh, has been running a smart cities and suburbs program with $50 million allocated to local government and consortiums uh, of, um, of private sector government uh, applicants uh, in, uh, in taking part in applying for 50-50 match grants. And so uh, that, uh, that program has has had two rounds and, and Martin you've you've been successful both in rounds one and round two we'll talk a little bit about the round two greenfield project uh, towards the end of the episode but um, this this round one uh, capital that you've been able to uh, you've been able to secure as you said uh, just briefly there a whole range of um, I suppose smart city fundamentals you know the, the Wi-Fi the smart parking smart lighting CCTV mm. um, tell me Tell me that that sort of package. When I look at that sort of package of solutions, you know, they're, they're pretty core and and fundamental. Um, the the one that's interesting for me is the three D digital city modelling. Uh, and of course, as a um, as a as a as a planner by trade, um, my my sort of ears prick up when I sort of hear you know digital and city and sort of modelling and planning together. Can you talk to us a little bit around uh, why and what that is, the, the 3D digital yeah, city modelling? Sure, and, and that was very much in line with, uh, uh, again, being quite opportunistic. Um, and, and I must you know, put it out there that we, uh, we have been very opportunistic with this whole program. Um, we could sit back and, I suppose, wait for it to, to do all the proper planning and all the... Uh, do it all in the proper order, but that was never the case um, with, with us. So, uh, you know, there's an old saying, never let uh, perfection be the enemy of the good or, you know, perfection, uh, progress beats perfection every time. So uh, we certainly have been living by those those mottos um, or else we would have simply never get anything done. 
So the 3D planning software was in line with what I just said, was very much around the urban renewal objectives we are wanting to meet. In the next five to seven years, we see around about half a billion dollars worth of uh, investment in urban renewal. Uh, that's what we hope to see. Um, so with that level of investment, we also acknowledge that to engage with the community, particularly around the CBD, uh, would, it, it was really how things are normally done, I suppose, in councils. Um, you know, you put your standard thing out for public consultation and it's, it's a 2D piece of paper. This is what it will look like. I just don't think with the level of investment that we're, we're trying to attract that that was going to be, uh, you know, the best way or the optimum way to do things. So the 3D planning modules or software enables us, and, and it's certainly not new now. You certainly see it being used all through Western Sydney and Parramatta and Canberra itself, CBD. It enables the public to really see what they're going to get. Um, so if a developer... Um, let, let's take us in point. If council is going to build its new corporate headquarters, five stories, well, here it is. Here's what it looks like. Here's how high it is. Here's how the shadowing uh, affects the street. Um, here's how it relates to the other buildings, and it's it's within you know inches correct as far as its scale. So people can get that 3D imagery of you know what this thing is that's going to be developed in 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 our town centre. So, you know, you multiply that across uh, the, all the new developments we hope to see, then you, you really provide the community with the best chance to either support the project or raise their concerns. So that's really what was behind it. We saw this as a great opportunity to drive that. And it also then provides you down the track the opportunity for developers to then start submitting everything in this uh, via this platform, mm. so that you then start to build a 3D model of your city um, uh, simply by having it available, because you you make it the requirement that you have to submit not just electronic 2D paperwork, but you also need to submit it in in 3D form, and that's becoming commonplace now. So I think you know within. 10 years, and I think that will be commonplace uh, across a, a lot of places. So that's really what was behind the 3D modelling. Uh, we see it as a great opportunity for us uh, to help achieve our urban renewal program. So, so Martin, these, um, th this sort of package of solutions, um, free public Wi-Fi, smart street lighting, smart parking, CCTV with video anal analytics, a range of different environmental sensors for noise and traffic and emissions, and then the 3D digital city modelling. So um, with with sort of this package now being part of your sort of CBD renewal, is there an element of, and I've got two parts to this question. The first one is I want to talk internally, the organisation, the council itself. Is there, um, uh, is, is there an expectation? Uh, is there, are there any key particular issues internally that will allow this to be scaled and, and replicated? Is this viewed as a, as, as a one-off? So the internal question is, um, is, is this investment, because you're going 50-50, of course, with the federal government. So 
yeah. you've got you've got deep skin in the game here, but um, I, I'd love to get a sense of how you're approaching this deployment um, with sort of a, an eye or a view for it being, you know, a lot of people use the word pilot and proof of concept, but is there, is there yeah. a sense of scale and replication here and that you can institutionalize this, that the only type of lighting you ever do is the smart one and not the non-smart one? You're very perceptive, Adam, in your questions. <laughs> you're spot on. <laughs> you're spot on. So, yeah, you're dead right. The, um, the scale, uh, and particularly with my early comments about having to adapt our, our scope of the project when we our plans for our headquarters changed, um, it did very much wind back, uh, wind things back to a degree to that proof of concept rather than here's a whole whole precinct that can act also as a proof of concept proof of concept, you, you may say, but certainly we've now had to isolate a few areas. For instance, our smart parking will be in uh, an isolated uh, car park and we're calling that proof of concept and, you know, we have to wind that back from a, you know, a couple of hundred sensors down to 31, you know. So, but as you, you the second part, I think, to what you're saying is as our CBD develops, Yes, there will be a complete expectation. Um, for instance, if we introduce decked car parks into our CBD, which at the moment we only have at grade at ground uh, grade car parks, but we do want to see two decked car parks in our CBD, we would expect those to be smart. Um, so that would be, you know, up to your thousand or so uh, smart car parking. So we do foresee this being absolutely scalable. Uh, but right now as part of this grant, I would suggest you're correct in your thinking that they are more proof of concept uh, with some of them. Certainly our Wi-Fi, uh, our public Wi-Fi implementation will be more wider, but again, as we build um, our new corporate headquarters, Wi-Fi is not being built into the corporate headquarters precinct yet because we want to do that when the headquarters is built because it clearly... Um, you know, the whole ground is going to be ripped up. So it wouldn't make any sense to put infrastructure in and then tear it up in two years' time. So um, that's the scalable where we see uh, happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm getting a little bit little bit detailed here for a moment around process, but um, can you give me a sense of the, the sort of the, 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 lot, the, the delineation of, of influence and ownership? So, for example... Um, you know, a CBD urban renewal project is going to involve, um, you know, in investment from, from you know, public and private sector and there'll be others involved. Yeah. This, this sort of first piece of capital works expenditure and this first package of solutions, um, am I right in saying that this is a suite of solutions um, that is kind of totally within the influence and role and responsibility of, of, uh, of, the, of the, the council. And I mean, you're not pushing any requirements to the, to the private sector or, or, or otherwise, but where's that delineation? This is a very clear project where you've got, you've got ownership, regulatory, sort of the regulatory uh, environments on your side. Um, it, it's part of what you would do normally in general public works, uh, or are you, 
putting some of these requirements onto the private sector as part of this first project. Can you talk about that? Uh, no. Yeah, no, look, good. Uh, great question, particularly um, it's that planning background, I think, Adam. It's, um, you, you're spot on again. This is certainly all the projects in this first uh, project is uh, with really within council's control. So all the land, uh, the infrastructure has been installed on, on council property uh, in all these cases. Um, certainly going forward, um, we would hope and encourage uh, certainly the private sector to look at how they can leverage and build on what councils are leading now. And that's that's been one of the challenges. We haven't had uh, very much development in our CBD. In fact, um, uh, another document out there is our CBD transformation strategy, which I developed a couple of years ago. When I started looking at the numbers, um, I came across a statistic that showed that we'd had one new uh, private development in our CBD in the last 10 years, uh, development wow. applications. So, wow. yeah, that, that's for new. We, we'd had plenty of uh, modifications, but as far as new, we'd only had one. So a big part of this is councils trying to lead the change here. And, you know, you, you sort of say that word on the street is that everyone's just waiting for something to happen mm -hmm. and then it's 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 going to be a, a cascade. So um, that's what we were hoping the, the smart precinct to become and and, uh, and the new council headquarters would, would lead that, that charge, I suppose, to, um, you know, really drive growth in, in Queanbeyan because one of the things I didn't mention back in the intro about the city is that the New South Wales re recently released a 20-year vision for regional New South Wales, of which uh, Queanbeyan is... Uh, our LGA is touted as having the fastest growth in regional New South Wales, a forecast of the largest growth. Um, and also we're, we're called a, a global city in conjunction with Canberra, a global uh, gateway as far as transport and freight networks, etc. So we really need uh, to utilise smart cities in a way that it enables our economy as well, enables that growth. And uh, like you say, that's that's standard, fundamental smart city um, uh, objectives. And that's all we're trying to achieve out of this. And then as we achieve that growth and people see the benefits of what smart cities can deliver, we will then, I think, see um, all those networks developing and we can broaden our uh, scope of the other type of smart city uh, services and particularly around, I think, improving uh, community uh, services that smart cities can bring. Martin, in terms of seeing and realising those that, that sort of benefit that comes with, with smart cities and embracing tech and data, um, how have you gone internally? I mean, when I look at, you know, that, that, that's sort of a fundamental, you know, solid smart cities package there, you know, Wi-Fi lighting, parking, video analytics, 3D modelling, sensing. Um, I mean just not, not knowing deeply your organisational structure, but you've got to be touching on at least sort of five, seven, eight different departments internally that would potentially be able to sort of realise value from this, from this particular Capital Works project. How has the journey been internally in getting buy-in interest and, and ultimately other departments embracing this? It's, um, it's a combination of 
challenging and uh, also a little bit exciting for some people as well. So challenging in the regard, and I, I try to actually talk about this um, this very point a lot when I, I do speak in public forums or whatnot about smart cities, the unique challenges that I think regional councils face with smart city programs, and that is, you know, we are not um, over-endowed in, with, with resources, particularly, you might say, on a technical front. So um, where you see a lot of other uh, councils across Australia who are really uh, deep diving into smart cities programs have, you know, up to five, six, seven staff dedicated just to smart cities. Well, you know, in Queen Parliament Regional Council, I'm it. Mm. You know, and that's that's to go with all the other, you know, roles that I fulfil as well. So it is exceptionally challenging from that point of view to because you you really do need the support of particularly your engineering department because mm -hmm. those are the guys with the, the technical know how uh, that um, you know where all the ground essentially is going to be dug up and the infrastructure put in, those are the guys who are going to be dealing with it uh, and then also maintaining it as the years goes on. So it's been exceptionally challenging from that point of view to really get involved with the, the smart cities agenda, but do so within your available resources uh, without um, doing it, you know, Doing it to a point where you can achieve it and not overcommitting, where it just becomes, uh, you know, a ball and chain around your neck. Yeah. So it's uh, so that's I suppose answering the first part. The second part, the excitement is that there's also a lot of people within the council, within our um, internally, who see this as an incredibly exciting project and are sort of putting their hands up. And it might not be within the realm of their typical uh, functional role. So we're right now uh, in the process of forming an internal uh, working group, Smart Cities Working Group, to help drive our strategy for the next X many years. Um, there's an in, a separate internal ICT strategy that our, our network guys are running. But the purpose of this group will be to really drive the actions in, the, in our strategy that you mentioned earlier. And a lot of the people we've, we're sort of eyeballing to be on that committee are people you would typically not think, uh, you know, they're not tech people or they're not IT people, but they've shown a huge amount of interest. And I think most importantly, that's the most most important criteria there is that they really want to be part of it. Um, so I see that as being really, really exciting to get a, a cross-branch or cross-jurisdictional uh, input and role uh, with a lot of our staff into driving smart cities into the future. I think that's um, I think that's a fantastic approach, and I say to a lot of people that you know this agenda um, shouldn't be driven from necessarily one individual or sort of team. That you know it's every head of department's responsibility to you know work out how tech and data can really help them achieve their departmental goals and objectives. Um, yeah. So, so just uh, my final question about internal related things, Martin, uh, and, and this project. Um, I want to briefly talk about procurement. Um, mm. Now, this was part of a grant program. Um, so, you know, obviously certain processes related to that. But I, the ultimate question I kind of want to ask you 
around this is um, we often hear that procurement is, a, is, a, is sort of the Achilles heel of the smart cities agenda advancing because it involves a lot of solutions and um, activities that don't neatly fit into a procurement process that was traditionally set up to buy, you know, pens and pencils and paper, which is things we're very familiar with, low risk, um, where in fact some of these um, some of these items can uh, can fall outside the uh, the, the realm of um, consistency and, and we're comfortable with risk and things like that. Talk me through and share, um, probably more so going forward, um, how procurement may or may not necessarily need to sort of evolve as well within within your organisation or indeed share views just broadly around local government and, and procurement. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the challenges are more around process of, uh, the grants, you know, it, it's the procurement is, is one issue and put that aside for the moment. Um, but it's it's just anyone who, out there who, who has ever gone for a grant and won a grant knows that they have a very short time from the time you're notified to when they close. <laughs> and with things such as technical and, you know, then involve civil works and, and all these things that smart cities do, um, the, the challenges to coming up with, uh, you know, estimates on those um, that are reliable, but where the uh, potential suppliers haven't even really eyeballed uh, the piece of dirt or the ground of which you're going to be installing infrastructure. So uh, you then win the grant, obviously, based on, on you know, quotes, et cetera, that you've obtained as best as you possibly can. But then, of course, when you get into the nitty-gritty, you realise... It's, um, you know, there are the issues that were unforeseen. You don't know what's under the ground that you're going to be digging up. Um, or in our case, you know, that the scope changed a fair bit too. So those were the, the initial challenges that we really faced. Then when it came to the procurement side of things, you realise then how technical it can become. And I've not come out of a technical background. Um, and so I was very reliant on our engineering guys to help sort that out. And we also sought um, a consultant, again, in Dallas Delta. We were very experienced uh, in this to help us also uh, assess procurement because it, it's a very detailed process to compare apples and apples, particularly around things like Wi-Fi provision um, and smart parking and lighting that... Um, that for someone who's not, you know, not hasn't come out of that engineering background, can be very, very confusing. Um, and so that was a major challenge and took us a long time. And then finalising um, the contract uh, took us an extraordinarily longer amount of time than we foresaw uh, initially than the original. Um, because the contract ended up being quite substantially different to the uh, uh, proposal that the winning uh, the winning uh, bidder put in. So again, very, very big change and you have to adapt uh, to that and uh, adapt your numbers, adapt your uh, expectations um, to the point where you know, both you and the supplier have to be really happy with, with what you're doing. So they were, a, you know, a very, I suppose, general 
challenges we face without getting into too much detail. But um, it's all done and dusted now, and we're now in the exciting bit of installing it. But, yeah, procurement was a big part of, of what we did, and I suppose my advice was to really surround yourself uh, with the right people who can really help you. You can give you the technical advice to understand what the differences are between all the proposals you will receive and making sure you're getting good value for money, but also you're not getting things you don't need. Um, and I think that's a, a, a big a big challenge at what might look shiny and new, but do you really want it and does your community want it? Uh, and is it going to be maintainable and sustainable in the long run? Martin, just a, just a final question around the CBD project. Where are things at? How, how's it going in terms of deployment? Yeah, good now. So we're um, our environmental sensors. We we did a partnership with uh, University of Canberra here, who are very experienced with this type of thing. They they they're also doing a partnership with the um, Arboretum in Canberra, Australia's Arboretum. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we saw that as you look, and again, uh, and I suppose it's a side objective is to. We saw this as also an opportunity to reach out to our universities, which we have you know, two cracking universities in Canberra here, um, and we don't really work with them. And I see that as a failing. And so we saw this as an opportunity to reach out and say, well, let's, you know, let's do this project together mm. and let's see what else we can do going forward from, from then on. And so far, this, it's been terrific. So they've uh, finished construction of our environmental sensing um, and dashboard. And so uh, testing is going to commence shortly. Uh, 3D software's uh, well underway, uh, building our 3D model. And then the lighting, the parking, um, uh, Wi-Fi is all going to be installed by May. Okay. So uh, we're finalising now. We have finalised locations of all the hardware. We've made contact with some private business owners who we need to, um, you know, uh, might affect their property. So all those things have been done and uh, hardware has been built and has, has is, is being procured by the supplier now. Interesting to say with the back to procurement that we were really looking for a turnkey solution. Mm-hmm. We recognise that being a regional council and not having those resources that I talked about, that we wanted in the proposal or the supplier to really provide a turnkey solution or that will give us the best outcome and having that one supplier manage all those different components except the environmental sensors and the 3D mm-hmm. uh, modelling. But the other four, we were hoping that supplier would provide all those um, solutions and they have. Okay. Whew. Okay. That was good. I thought there was going to be a punchline there where it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't possible. But, um, <laughs> no, well, no, proof's in the pudding, but no, yes. it's, it's all underway yeah. and we're pretty, we're very confident uh, that it'll all be uh, installed by May and we'll be up and running. Fantastic. So um, just briefly, a last question sort of before we, we wrap here, Martin, um, you, you, you're coming back again and, you, and you're going to do it again uh, this time. Uh, associated with the federal grant in a, in a greenfield site or community, I understand. Um, it hasn't started yet, but can you give us a very quick snapshot into what that's going to be? Because um, uh, it'll be a nice little setup for sort of maybe in a couple of months' time we, we get you back on to talk about that. But what, talk to us a little bit about this other project coming up. Yeah, look, this is incredibly exciting. Um, so this revolves around the, the township of Gugong, which is around about 17 kilometres 
uh, out of Queanbeyan CBD. It's a new greenfield suburb that's been built and it's, it's underway. There's five neighbourhoods that have been established, neighbourhood by neighbourhood, you might say, every couple of years. New neighbourhood is approved. So the developer there, uh, developers called Pete or PWET, they came to us after knowing of the success of our round one and said, look, we'd love to partner with you to help put the smarts into our new town that we're building, essentially. And we thought it was an incredible opportunity to, rather than retrofitting everything, which seems to happen in smart cities, that uh, let's include the smarts as the town's been built. Um, so, you know, it's a 780 hectare site. It's, it, it's forecast to have a population of around about 18,000 people, six, about 6,000 dwellings will be built. And so this um, project, will, uh, which we were successful in, in winning, is a $2 million plus dollar project um, to basically, you know, construct uh, an IoT system to improve process and outcomes during the, the, the development of the new suburb. Um, then, of course, integrating all smart infrastructure and services uh, into that new suburb. But excitingly as well is looking at developing an open source smart suburbs blueprint um, to share knowledge and then uh, as a catalyst for partnerships and innovation to drive smart tech that can be used, you know, across other developments, uh, across other suburbs, across anywhere, who, whoever wants to use it. So that's that's something going to be quite interesting and as that develops, it's going to be, I'm really keen to be part of that and to sort of see how that falls out of the skies, so to speak. It's uh, uh, be a wonderful initiative if we can uh, really do that well and be successful with it. Well, I look forward to um, having you back on to, to talk about that when it gets going. Uh, but for now, Martin, we need to uh, draw to a close and um, I ask this final question of all of my guests uh, from from local government uh, who join me. So my question is, who have you got a smart cities crush on? Oh, that's pretty easy. I think the, <laughs> the big three would be Adelaide, Newcastle or um, Sunshine Coast. I think they, the way they go about things, um, I think uh, is you know, pretty, pretty awesome. Um, you know, I'd love to have the resources those guys do, but you know, I think as well, they, they do it really well. And, and they're really committed uh, to the process. So any one of those three would be happily go out with. Well, you've, uh, you've certainly shared the love around and, and kept it local, which is great. So thanks for that. Martin, uh, Martin Darcy, thank you so much for joining us on the Smart Cities Chronicles today. Thanks, Adam. Pleasure to be part of it. And for our listeners, uh, you can subscribe to the Chronicles uh, podcast via those usual platforms of Apple iTunes and Spotify and SoundCloud. Um, this has been a episode diving a little bit deeper into a particular project and deployment uh, as, uh, as Martin shared with us. We look forward to bringing you more of these episodes in the future where we can dig deeper into some projects around action and investment and outcomes. Uh, but until next episode, uh, enjoy your week and keep well.